Welcome to Building the Bakken Radio Herd and the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies and I'm your host today. Thank you folks for joining us this week on Building the Bakken, the most trusted energy brand in the Bakken today. As I mentioned a moment ago, Building the Bakken is part of the Crude Life Media Network. We're not a political program, rather an informational brand. No polarizing talk, just conversation about facts of the energy industry. Here at the Crude Life Media Network, we generate positive energy. And with programs like Building the Bakken, we're able to tell the stories about the people, the communities, and the companies within the industry. Those who are involved with the evolution of the Bakken oil field, the day-to-day industry, those who live it, breathe it, and are all part of it. We have those folks right here on Building the Bakken Radio. I'd like to thank you folks for just a second here. I know there's a lot of places in today's world to get your content, so I appreciate you folks tuning us in via the radio or our podcasts, which are available at thecrudelife.com. So in this busy, wired world, I appreciate you folks for coming to the Building the Bakken and the Crude Life Media Network to get your content and information as we are the most trusted energy brand in the Bakken today. And we've got a fantastic program in store for you today. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, stops by and chats a little bit about the Davis Refinery. Great news, just keeps getting better and better out there in Belfield, North Dakota as they get closer and closer to the completion and construction of the Davis Refinery. They've gotten over some major hurdles in 2018 and we talk with William Prentice, the CEO, about some of those hurdles and what the next steps are with the Davis Refinery, the first greenfield refinery being built in the United States in almost 50 years, happening in Belfield, North Dakota in the Bakken oil field. And then we talk with Michelle Comer. She's with the North Dakota Department of Labor. Uh, They just finished a study that is extremely important to the Bakken oil field. We talked with her a little bit about what that is, and she makes some interesting comments, some things that we've said for years here on this program, which is a lot of people today should really reconsider automatically going into a four-year degree. Uh, What we're saying is that a two-year degree should really be looked at. Now, it doesn't mean the four-year degree is not an option or it's not the viable option, but it might not be for everybody. Like I said, uh, it used to be where we'd automatically go to a four-year degree and maybe go to a two-year degree type thing. Michelle Comer talks about shifting a 40-year mindset that we have regarding four-year degrees and two-year degrees. Excellent interview a little bit later on with the North Dakota Labor Commissioner, Michelle Comer. And then Matthew Boucher. CEO of Clockspring. They've got a new product coming out in the market and they have risen in the marketplace fast. We talk with Matthew Boucher a little later in the program as well. All that plus much more on today's episode of Building the Bakken Radio. My name is Jason Spies and this is Building the Bakken Radio heard on the Crude Lights. Smoking, I'm joking with the people that I know. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise.
Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talking about the Davis Refinery. So we did that in October of 2016, and it took us 20 months to go through that process. That That's an example of an environmental uh, type of permit where there are certain emissions uh, limitations that you have to come in under, and that's pure science. That's pure engineering. But it gets very, very granular. I mean, you, we have to show them every single type of equipment we're going to use. Every single uh, piece of equipment has to be sized to the extent you can, short of detailed design. And yeah, that's that's a pure engineering permit. And the Department of Health takes a look at every single piece of that and make us provide backup for everything that they, that we say we're going to do. And every aspect of that that constitutes a piece of control technology, like uh, the way you limit NOx uh, emissions from a heater, for instance, uh, has to do with the design of the burners. And we have to show them exactly what we're going to do in each case. So, yeah, it's, it's very scientific, but, you know, within, within the kinds of things that engineers do, you have a lot of room in there where you have to make sure that the right assumptions were made and that the right kind of calculations were conducted. Uh, then there's that whole area of air quality monitoring that the health department requires. And that's an enormously complicated uh, um, engineering task. And one would say it's almost an art form. So we had to go out and find the firm in the United States that's a, a nationally recognized expert in doing this in order to make sure that, that this was done properly, and that the health department would appreciate what we'd, we'd accomplished there. So yeah, even though it's it's pretty cut and dried from a, a logical point of view, that doesn't mean it's any more any less complicated to get it done right. And yeah, we, we went through a lot, both on the more subjective side for the siting permit and on the pure engineering side. It's been a very intense couple of years getting these permits done. Well, like I said, I think you guys have uh, gotten the award of the patience of Job to uh, get a b- biblical reference there for you. But uh, I was, I- I'm a little bit, I guess I, I was a little bit surprised um, because, you know, you guys had quite a review process from the Department of Health. And I've interviewed Terry O'Claire and he went into a dissertation, including you know, the EPA getting involved for, you know, vetting your guys' technology and companies and, and, and the whole methodology of what you guys were bringing into this. And so I commend you guys for, for being as patient as you are and uh, stick, sticking with this particular project, which is going to add a ton of jobs and economic stimulus out to not only Billings County, but the surrounding areas, even, you know, from Beach to Dickinson is really going to benefit. Watford City, to a certain degree, uh, might even get some some uh, employees and uh, some of the ancillary businesses that kind of go along with this sort of refinery. Um, now, are, are you yeah, guys... I, oh, go I, ahead. Go I ahead. just have to comment on that, Jason, yeah. a minute. You, you talked to Terry O'Claire, so... I just have to mention that when I would be telling people about our project in North Dakota, uh, they would kind of say something to the effect, well, at least you're not doing this in California where they were going to be really tough on you. And I would think, God, I wish I could take him to meet Terry and his guys because they were very tough on us. And I think uh, I think they put other regulatory agencies around the country, including 
EPA and, and the Air Resources Board in California to shame with the kind of requirements they impose. I, I would agree. Uh, they, I mean, yeah. go ahead. Well, they're, they're just really, really have a lot of expertise in this area and very, very thorough and comprehensive. So, yeah, we didn't get away with anything uh, simply because we were in North Dakota. To listen to the full-length interview with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Building the Bakken Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of those social media accounts are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. You're my pineapple, baby, let me be your mango man. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Michelle Comer, the North Dakota Labor Commissioner. Michelle Comer, and my title is Labor Commissioner for the North Dakota Department of Labor and Human Rights and Executive Director of Job Service North Dakota. You're both of those things? I have two jobs. Okay, so we, we hit the jackpot here because we get the Labor <laughs> Commissioner. That's all I'm writing. I'm not continuing on with that rest um and then the the executive director for job service north dakota job service north dakota and one of the things we're going to be talking about is this new study that came out um that reflects what's going on in the oil patch or it reflects what needs to be done out in the oil patch and then we'll kind of uh offshoot from there but just kind of an overview a little bit um you know not war and peace but maybe a little bit more than an elevator pitch what's this study all about sure so What we have here is the result of many months of work of the Workforce Development Council, which is the council that's made up of 32 members, 21 from the private sector, diverse in terms of geography and industry, as well as representatives from organized labor. We have legislators on the council. We have elected officials from local government on the council, and we also have state agency partners on the council. And we've been working for a number of months, gathering information through studies, data, evidence, employer surveys 
days, stakeholder interviews, as much information as we could consume to have a very deep and specific understanding of North Dakota's workforce needs. And what we have today, and, and we submitted it to Governor Burgum on October 24th, is a report of recommendations that is the result of all that work. I, I like to think of it as a conclusion in some ways of a chapter, but it's really just a milestone mm -hmm. because, of course, what happens next is the important part of the story. Is there a, you know, a couple top themes, trends, something that stood out as far as what is needed for the workforce? Yeah, there sure is. So if we were to identify themes, which we have in the report, which can be located on the governor's website, there are five themes. And oh. one, one of them is the technical skills gap. And I'd love to talk more about that if we have a chance. Two is the need for youth engagement and earlier and more diverse career exploration at an earlier age. Third is the nursing and healthcare technician shortage in North Dakota. Um, fourth, support for people with barriers to employment. We have North Dakotans that aren't working. While we have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the nation and the highest labor market participation rates, we do have folks in North Dakota today that aren't working. And then fifth, um, it's a numbers game, it's math, and in some ways, uh, we like math because it adds up or it doesn't. And in this case, we simply have more jobs in North Dakota than we have people. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't even touch on whether they have the skills needed to do the work. It's a numbers game. We don't have enough people people here to do the jobs we have open today and that we project that we'll have open. So we need to have a strategy around that. And one of the reasons why I think this is a, an important study and it relates to oil and gas is because oil and gas is one of, I call them the kings of the economy. They just, they they have such a, economic engine going that, in fact, they're the only industry to produce a net gain of jobs the last 10 years, the mining industry, which is what oil and gas is considered in. So when I hear the technical skills gap, when I hear the nursing healthcare shortage, these are things that are directly related to oil and gas. One Oak just donated, you know, a million dollars to help out the Watford City Hospital. That shows you how much oil and gas considers healthcare and nursing a need. What's been going on in the world of fracking uh, is technical. And that world has changed. In fact, five years ago, we used to joke on this program and say, these guys aren't slinging chains anymore. These aren't the same oil field workers. Uh, I heard Ron Ness recently talk about how these are more office jobs now. You mentioned you, you met with Ron Ness, and that actually is one of the reasons why this report came to be. Or it was influenced, or Ron had an involvement with a different well, study, or yeah. So you know, of course, tie in the oil and gas yeah, for me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as you just described, you know, we know that this industry employs today over sixty thousand people, maybe close to seventy thousand, and we know that number is going to be significantly bigger in the future. We also know from working with um, members of that industry, including Ron that as you just pointed out, the jobs that are coming to North Dakota today in contrast to five years ago are jobs that bring permanent residents rather mm -hmm. than transient residents. They're jobs that require technical skills that, um, that, that may support the idea that people bring their families here, which creates another set of challenges in terms of housing and education and infrastructure. And so, you know, to the extent that we want to continue the growth and success of that industry, uh, in North Dakota, we have to be having this conversation. So, it, it, I mean, it was absolutely a driver. But, you know, what we've learned over the last 11 months is that the oil and gas industry is not the only industry that's suffering for trained and talented workforce. And so it is a key issue for our state. It is a key issue, probably the number one issue for our continued economic success and our failure to address it is going to have consequences. 
Well, I look at the technical side and I see, okay, we've got a lot more remote sensors now and we have a lot more algorithms and that sort of thing. Um, and then we're going to get into the UAS part of life too, and that's going to be directly um, integrated into oil and gas on a number of different things from surveillance to uh, pipeline detection to just going up and checking on top of buildings to make sure things are there. So there's a lot of applications for it. But NDSU plays such a key role, North Dakota State University, in the technical side of things. Was that at all addressed in, in your studies? Is that talked about how, you know, we've got one of the top universities for UAS and, and they're gaining on energy algorithms, if you will. Um, is there a a study or a plan or a discussion at all with NDSU and then also satisfying that workforce? Well, what you'll find in the report is a pretty deep discussion about the technical skills gap. And what we mean when we when we say that is we very purposefully relanguaged what some people call a middle skills gap. You hear that across America, frankly. And we learned that that was one of the initial challenges, right, is what parent strives for their child to have a middle skills job, when in fact, the jobs that you just spoke of and the jobs that we are aware are available today and will be in the future are highly technical jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what we looked at as part of this process is what are the jobs today? What are they going to be tomorrow? Where in North Dakota do we have programs that satisfy those needs? Where are there gaps? And, and in, you know, in general, what we learned from that is that um, you, know, you can't talk about workforce without talking about education. They're inextricably linked. And that's where the theme came up um, about needing to get into the school system earlier. And we're talking the K-12 system and, and exposing kids to what opportunities are available to them, helping them understand what their skills, strengths, gifts, talents, aspirations may be in the context of these jobs that are available and then um, taking into consideration the today and the tomorrow. So I heard a statistic that 70% of kindergartners today will have jobs that don't exist today. So what are sure. we doing to train them in terms of not a particular job, but to have skills that are translatable, critical thinking, problem solving, communication, um, systems mm -hmm. thinking. And so to more directly answer your question, which I'd like to do, we didn't get into you know what specific program is where and having you know a significant impact or success, but rather more generally, how are we going to address this technical mm -hmm. skills gap that exists today, and and make plans to support those programs, to build those programs, to acknowledge that they're an important part of the path forward. Michelle Comer, I'm going to ask you to hang on to that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, and when we return. More with our conversation with Michelle Comer, North Dakota Labor Commissioner, right here on Building the Bakken Radio. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. 
For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com, and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. Meridian Energy Group, Inc.com. Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Speece. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Christy Huber President of the United Way of Cass Clay says about Hatch coaching. Leaders like Eric Hatch are changing the face of what it means to lead an organization or what it means to lead a brand. He's changing that. To find out more about Hatch coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit hatchcoaching.com. That's hatchcoaching.com. Or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Well, I was two years old when John Lennon died. Well, I was 23 when George said goodbye. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we continue our conversation with Michelle Comer with the North Dakota Labor Commission. Sounds like um, the way I interpreted that is that there's going to be a fleshing out of what the educational core is going to be because how do you train somebody for a job that doesn't exist? Well, there's got to be some sort of similarity, some sort of core that exists within all the jobs, whether it's math, science, you know, that the STEM. And STEM seems to be the direction right now that is, is where we landed on that will allow kids to have an opportunity to go a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I, I was going to ask you about uh, one of the things that we've been talking about in this program for probably four years now, uh, maybe five, is the two-year degree and the four-year degree. Um, four or five years ago, I, I said, you know, I don't think I'd want my kid to go to a four-year school unless they were going to be an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, which I understand is an eight-year school, but you know, unless it's a specialized profession that you want to go do. I, I don't know if I would do that. I would you know, go get your CDL license. Go get your, you know, 
artificial engineering training at the local tech school for a year, year and a half. It just seemed like there was a renaissance opportunity for trade. Was, is that a technical? Is that a health? Is that is that a that would be healthcare too? That is because of registered nurses. You bet it is. Talk to me about your your reaction to what I just told you about as a parent. Yeah. I don't know if I want my kid going to a four year school unless he knows exactly what he wants to be. You bet. Well, I'm smiling as I listen to you because that is directly addressed here. Oh. And I'm also smiling because we say kind of tongue in cheek. Hey, all we need to do is change a 40-year-old paradigm (laughs) that says that you have to go to get a four-year degree to get a good Mm -hmm. job. And it's as much the parents, if not more. It's you and I, like you just said, as it is the kids and helping them be aware of what these opportunities are. And then it's recognizing um, the shift in the cost of education today versus 10 or 12 or 15 years ago. And that today... Um, you know, getting a general liberal arts degree can cause a child student to incur, you know, a fair amount of debt. Um, and whereas a technical degree degree today, in many cases, you can have paid for by an employer who's really aching mm-hmm. for workforce, right? So you graduate with a technical degree, and just to be clear, these can be in the trades, but they can also be in healthcare. They are many, as we've learned through this process, are highly technical jobs. And um, you can graduate with no debt. You can walk out of school. And I've heard story after story, not just anecdotes, but real stories here in North Dakota where you graduate with no debt. You're age 20 and you're making $50,000, $60,000. Whereas with a four-year general liberal arts degree, you may struggle mm-hmm. to find that job and you may struggle to make $30,000 a year. And you now have X amount of dollars in student debt. So. We're not trying to encourage or discourage four-year degrees. That's not the message here. But we do want to raise awareness for parents like you and I that there are the options. And we want to make uh, make that known to our students, too, that you know the stereotype that has perpetuated in our entire country over the last course of the last 40 years is no longer true. And to illustrate, in my mind, and I am not the creative type, I like data, analytics, math, and science, but... In my mind, I picture, you know, a split screen, and let's call it a YouTube video, not TV. And on on each side, you have, you know, on one side, you have a young man who's standing in front of a nice house with a three-car garage and nice car. Other side of the screen, young woman, same exact scenario, right? And you start flashing up on the screen. Okay, so John went to get his four-year degree, graduated with $45,000 in debt. Here's his mortgage payment. Here's his house payment. Here's his starting salary. You get in the red pretty quick. Then start adding up savings that you're not saving for your retirement because of that scenario. And on the other side, the young woman um, went to a tech school, has no debt, same house payment, same car payment. Um, and then to cap it off, you know, we watch him in our screen drive to his job in a suit and tie as a junior lender mm-hmm. at a bank. And this is the paradigm that I have for my kids. Maybe you do too. Maybe others do, right? Um, and and we watch her get in her car and drive to her job as a technician in a manufacturing plant, except the view blows up our stereotype of what that means. I've been to these plants. They're white and gleaming and clean. And, and she goes to work as 
as, as a high-tech welder in a room that looks more like a mainframe. Uh, I'm aging myself, but let's call it a computer a computer room. You know, it, uh, it, it, more, it looks more like NASA. You right, know, right. and and that's the message that I think we really have to help our students receive. Uh, that's what we have to help our parents understand. I'm included in that. In the course of the last 11 months, um, I have three kids, a senior in high school, a junior in high school, and a sixth grader. And um, I was preparing to do a speech, um, the title of which was Good Jobs That Pay Without a BA, only because it rhymed. I meant mm-hmm. all bachelor's mm-hmm. degrees. And my husband came into the den and he, you know, what are you doing? I told him what I was doing. And he kind of smirked and he said, so you'd be all right with the girls going to a tech school. And it was the moment of truth because at this point now I've done all this research. I understand the real life situation, the jobs available here, what they look like. I've been and visited many of these places where these jobs exist. And I, I gulped and I said, absolutely. But that would not have been true had I not been so deeply immersed in this work. And that's what we have to find a way to share with others. Well, you said it right. It's a 40-year-old mindset that needs to be changed. And there's options out there. And, you know, the the trades didn't have the opportunity that they have now. I mean, artificial intelligence has changed the trades. And when you got energy using it and ag using it and healthcare using it and everybody seemed to use it. Let's talk about the healthcare for a second. Sure. what did your study find that was needed for healthcare? Sure. So we went into this knowing that there's been a nursing shortage for 25 years. So, um, you know, had we come out of this and said, hey, there's a nursing shortage, we would have had a lot of people say, thanks, Captain Obvious. We knew that, right? Right. And we did. But what's. Dennis, too. Yeah. Yeah. But what's different mm-hmm. about today's healthcare shortage um, is really two things. And it has to do with the generational shift. We've got. A, a generation of well every profession but it's it's hitting us hard in healthcare of nurses retiring but simultaneously we are becoming greater users of healthcare as the baby boomer generation gets older mm-hmm. so when you look at you know um, line graphs you see that trend and it's making this shortage all the more critical and acute not to mention um, it's particularly acute in rural North Dakota. So, but the one thing that we learned, and not the one thing, we learned a lot of different things through this, but one thing that really stood out to us um, was that even if we solved the nursing shortage in North Dakota, you still can't keep your emergency room open or your critical care hospital open if you don't have x-ray technicians, if you don't have radiology technicians. Okay. And so the healthcare tech jobs really, um, that, that became evident to us, thanks to all the folks that were involved in this that we worked with and interviewed through this process. You know, they said, don't forget this. Even if I solve this nursing problem, there are still these jobs. Well, and as you pointed out, this points straight back to the tech skills gap right mm-hmm. because a lot of those jobs are attainable with a two-year degree and um, there we found to some extent um, we compared the programs available in North Dakota to educate um, in the areas where we have shortages and we do have some gaps there and and that's when you know a level of detail that we got to get into say hey you know there may be an opportunity here to have a program to develop a program that meets this need um, you know with my kids being the ages they are, I would love for someone to be talking to them um, 
in school about how there are these jobs open today. You will get one if you can enroll in this program and do well in the program. And you may even get an employer to sponsor you through this. Um, you know, in this process, I have learned that um, that person needs to be me. But that avail that information today, um, you know, we need to as a system, as a North Dakota system, uh, and it's one of our recommendations um, is to figure out how we can integrate this connection, make this connection between the jobs that are available, the programs that are available to educate people to do those jobs, and how we make students. And we don't even want to limit it to students, frankly. This is a situation where people can go back and get educated in these jobs if they're underemployed, if they want to try something different. But we have to draw that connection. We have to convene. To listen to the full-length interview with Michelle Comer with the North Dakota Labor Commission or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Building the Bakken Radio is part of a vast social media group. We've got 350,000 followers Check out our social media pages by going to thecrudelife.com and clicking on the social media page. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. The music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com, and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. We all do what we do so we can survive. Now it's Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery. A project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio Heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Matthew Boucher, the CEO of Clockspring. Matthew Boucher, President and CEO, Clockspring Company. Outstanding. Thank you very much for joining us here today. Crude Life Media Network, we're going to talk a little innovation, infrastructure, that sort of thing. But um, Clock Spring, that's the name. Huh? Talk to me a little bit about what your company does. Well, Clock Spring makes a variety of products, uh, all designed around uh, repairing and rehabilitating critical critical infrastructure, including uh, you know, transmission pipelines, gathering lines, uh, refineries, petrochemical plants, etc. Um, our products tend to be very highly innovative, highly engineered, 
and you know designed to solve uh, mission critical problems in ways that are you know cost effective and uh, you know help with environmental and asset sustainability. What would be like an example of something like that? You know, maybe something you've done in the past where, you know, you guys have had to become either customized or specialized for, for one of those projects. Clockspring was the first company ever to to uh, design, uh, certify, manufacture, sell, install a uh, composite repair sleeve for uh, the the reinforcement of transmission pipelines that have lost some of their integrity due to either corrosion or, you know, some kind of mechanical interference, like, for example, a, uh, a backhoe hitting a transmission pipeline or something like that. Okay. Uh, the Bakken is uh, at capacity. They're looking at adding a significant amount of pipeline here in the next two, three years. Permian, same thing. Um, are, are you guys, is, is that the type of pipeline that you guys would get into, or are we talking about maybe something else? No, absolutely. We work on those pipelines all the time, and we, we consider those, broadly speaking, you know, uh, gathering lines, or, or in some cases we call them midstream lines, right? They're not part of the sort of the big transmission system, but they feed into it. And, you know, we work on those pipelines all the time, whether they're, they're older pipelines coming from, you know, older areas and they need to be kept in service, or they're new lines and, you know, something happened during the construction phase of those where, you know, some kind of damage was created. We're, we're working with, with, you know, companies to make sure that those pipes are going to be safe to transport, you know, whatever it is they're transporting. In this case, you're talking primarily about crude, but, um, yeah, that's what we do. So anything from the composite to, I don't know if you guys get into sensors or have to uh, work with people with sensors, but talk to me a little bit about innovation within your industry. What have you seen change in the last 10, 15 years? Well, you know, what we've seen change a lot, by the way, um, we make uh, valve products that can be installed, you know, online while it's in operation. So if somebody needs to, you know, put in a diversion or a bypass or, you know, just wants a place where they might want to switch it from point A to point B, um, we make valves that are capable of doing that and can be installed while the system's under pressure. Um, we, uh, we are now making flange gaskets that, uh, you know, are type certified to be fugitive emission free. And, you know, we're not just talking about papers. We're also talking about, you know, liquid coming out of a, a flange location. Um, and, you know, every, every drop counts, so to speak. Um, you know, mostly what we've seen over, you know, the last 10 years is a need to, you know, continue to operate assets um, that are either um, beyond their their use, beyond their original design life, or uh, approaching their original design life. And you know, we work with customers to to keep those assets in service, and we do that through our composite products, through our valve products, through our gasket products. Uh, the Meridian Energy Group, they're building the Davis Refinery out in um, Belfield, North Dakota, and. The, the kind of the pipes and the and the gaskets and that sort of thing is is what they cited as an example of a way to reduce emissions. You mentioned that too that um, you know these new gaskets you have are reducing emissions or something like that. Just explain that a little bit more. How, how does that uh, reduce emissions? Sure. So it really all comes down to 
to, you know, the material uh, from which you design the gasket or manufacture the gasket, and then specifically, you know, how how you how you form that gasket. In our case, you know, we've introduced the full metal gasket, and yeah, we did steal it off of that movie name. Um, but uh, you know, we we introduced the full metal gasket, and, and you know, one of the key components of our full metal gasket is that the gasket is made out of the same metal as the surrounding flange material. So. That means that our gasket is going to expand and contract, you know, whether it's through heating and cooling or cycles on the on the infrastructure. It's going to expand and contract at the same rate as the metal around it. So, you know, just by that alone, the gasket's going to stay, you know, more tightly sealed. On top of that, we have a, you know, we have patented uh, V, what we call delta V grooves in the in the flange itself, and when the, the, the flange is bolted together, those grooves that we specially machine in using, you know, customized CNC equipment um, collapse down a little bit microscopically, but they collapse down and they form a super tight seal. And uh, there's actually three seals that get formed. So even if one of them isn't working, you know, you've got a lot of redundancy built in. To listen to the full-length interview with Matthew Boucher with a CEO of Clockspring or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Be a part of our social media audience with the Crude Life Media Network and click on our social media pages. We have about 350,000 followers, so feel free to like us, share us, follow us, do all that social media stuff. We'd appreciate it very much here at the Crude Life Media Network. This is Building the Bakken Radio. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Media Network. And that concludes another awesome episode of Building the Bakken Radio. And I would like to personally thank each and every one of you who listened and tuned in our program this week. There are so many options out there for content and entertainment today, and we are so grateful that you have chosen Building the Bakken Radio and the Crude Life Media Network for your option today. Again, thank you once again for listening to our program, our non-political, non-polarizing program known as Building the Bakken Radio. Now, was there an interview that you wanted to check out? Well, you can access past shows, features, and full-length interviews at thecrudelife.com. We would also like to invite you to be a part of our social media network. Join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts. We have quite a presence in many of the shale plays, like the Permian, Eagleford, Marcellus, Niobrera, and many, many more. It's all part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out. If you go to crudelife.com, click on our social media tabs, we've got a list of our social media sites, over 350,000 followers, We're strong, we're growing every day when we invite you to be a part of our social media network here at the Crude Life Media Network. Now, when you're at thecrudelife.com, be sure to click on our sponsors page. These sponsors make this program happen. Now, we've got some outstanding sponsors here at the Crude Life Media Network, and we ask you to please support them when you can. You know what? Heck, just reach out and say hello sometime. That's nothing like a nice hello. Click on the sponsors page check them out crudelife.com thank you once again for listening to building the bakken radio this week we will be back next week right here on this radio station 
at this time once again. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Thank you once again for joining us this week, and remember, keep calm and frack on. You've been wishing you never been born. All I can say is Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Speece. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Speece is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com.